Welcome to Episode 4 of the BYU Animation Podcast. I'm Aaron Ludwig. This episode features two of our most recent graduates, Jake Wyatt and Anthony Holden. Jake is a freelance illustrator who, among other projects, is drawing a detective series for Image Comics. Anthony has recently been hired as a story artist at DreamWorks. Both of them have amazing art blogs that you should definitely follow. Jake's is jake-paperlife.blogspot.com and Anthony's is sketchadventure.blogspot.com. This is part one of our interview. Okay, so if you just want to like introduce yourselves so people know whose voice is whose, we'll you start. go first. Then you take a sip of water. Okay, uh, I'm Jake Wyatt. I'm the shorter and fatter one, and also the lighter skinned. I am the fairer brother, um, and uh, I came to BYU so as to avoid um, recreational drug use. <laughs> In college, and I'm not kidding. Like that was the reason why. That's <laughs> why I came to BYU. So, because you should avoid those things, BYU students. I am Anthony Holden, and let's see. Um, in 2004, when I married my wife, um, she was on her way to her second degree, and I had never attended college. <laughs> um, and so I was off to kind of a bad start because, like, a year and a half into our marriage, she had two degrees and I had none. Um, and so I came to BYU. Initially to study Japanese, because um, I, I served a mission in Japan and I wanted to come study Japanese and become a Japanese teacher. That was my initial goal. Cool. Um, and it was my very first semester here on my way to Happy, which is in the Joseph Smith building. I don't even think they make you take that class anymore. No, first they took it off campus and now you don't have to take it at the all. semester after I took it, they said it wasn't a requirement. Anymore. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you don't have to take health classes anymore, which is great, because um, who wants to be healthy? <laughs> Not more <laughs> Um But yeah, so like I went to that class and there was a, a news rack that had BYU Magazine on it and the Pinatas cover image. Of, uh, of the two pinatas, the bull and the dude in the sombrero, were on there. And I was like, oh, BYU has an animation program, and proceeded to laugh heartily to myself. Um, because I figured that, like, the only things that I had ever seen Mormons produce in, in the way of cartoons <laughs> was the living structure. And that was a complete joke. And I thought that BYU oh, must dude. be that. But I read the article, and, like, just by the article and the few images that were attached to the article, I think it was, like, a painting by Sam Nielsen of a alien ship, like, hovering over a house, and I was like, okay, these guys know what they're doing. The article was entitled, Aliens, Mom. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I had a weird indirect route to the animation program, too, because Kelly loosely abused, insulted, and failed me uh, when I took intro as a freshman here. About in that order. <laughs> Actually. Um, and really got off on it, too. And Eric Armstrong, for the record. And then... I uh, went on a mission and came back, and I was going to be um, a children's book illustrator and elementary school teacher was my plan. And I took intro to animation just to, like, face down Kelly, basically, because mm-hmm. he failed me unjustly for doing the right thing. Yeah. And I really liked the class, and I really liked Kelly. And I was like, what? How? Oh, you had a kid, and now you're not... To be fair, you earn failure the first go anymore. <laughs> no, man! No you way! the rule! I heard it was something just about, like... It's completely arbitrary! Letting somebody else no. shoot their stuff so they yes. can be on time. Yes! Okay, so we had two assignments. Your stuff wasn't on time. You didn't get in. You failed. <laughs> Shut <laughs> so up. No, okay, but Shut your mouth. We, we had to move on. Man. We okay, have moving on. It was unjust. Go ahead. Did you guys, like... So I was, I was assuming you both almost went to, to SCAD, right? Or, or mm-hmm. Almost. I thought about it. Yeah. So you had, like, art throughout your whole life you've been doing like art no well yeah I've been doing art I got kicked out of our art program in high school every single year I uh our teacher didn't like comic books or if he used to draw anything Spider-Man oh wow so I kept getting kicked out yeah but what since the time you were a little kid yeah you've been drawing yeah dude for sure yeah all the time has it always been like comics then basically for you mostly it's always just been comics like I just kept doing more and more elaborate comic book panels as I cool Grew up, yeah. Like, and, and I, I remember I bought my first set of Prismacolor grayscale markers my junior year of high school, and they're like this revelation to me. And then I saved up money at work for a color set and bought that, and that was when I really started to suck. Um, <laughs> you weren't as good in colors; you weren't value. Yeah, um, <laughs> and felt that I needed to go to art school. Yeah, it was like the first time I was like, I need some training. So, so you came to BYU for, like, the illustration program. Yeah, initially for the animation program, and then I came back, I'm just going to do illustration because Beth Ann is way nicer than Kelly. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, 
I think just kind of. I like, well, I think every kid draws when they're little. I think it's just an instinct. Yeah. Um, and most kids, like you know, spend like kindergarten and first grade and things like that. You probably draw in class or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you the day that I quit drawing, it was in the second grade, and it was towards the end of the school year because we were making cards for Father's Day. And I had this image in my head of what I knew my dad looked like, and for the life of me, could not make my drawing look like what I knew my dad looked like. And so when I was eight years old in the second grade, I quit drawing. Dude, <laughs> yeah, I quit. I like I gave up because I couldn't make it look like what I wanted to look like, um, and didn't pick up a pencil seriously to draw until I was almost done with high school. Oh wow, wild. Um, because I hated it. I couldn't stand it. And then, like, one day I was, like, doodling something on my geometry homework, and somebody leaned over and told me that they thought it was funny and a good drawing. And the minute that I received praise from <laughs> that obviously knew, like, less about drawing than I did. <laughs> um, but the minute that somebody told me that they thought that that was good and that I had, like, a skill, I was back in the game. And I was like, oh, I can draw. See, uh, that's not fair. You have so much... Ad- it was always an angry obsession with me. Like, as a child, like, my parents have saved these. I had schematic drawings of what a Ninja Turtle arm ought to look like from every conceivable angle. Like, I was always so methodical and so anal and so angry about drawing all the time. Um, but I, like, uh, had a history with comics. Like, I've read comics and enjoyed the drawings in comics and, and animation and things like that forever. But never thought about doing it because it was always too frustrating for me. Yeah. So I gave up on it until I was, like, almost done with high school. And, and then picked it up again. You're so annoying. Cool. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. You're How so about animation? Like, have you guys, like, did you guys grow up on animated films? Oh, like, my gosh. Kind of, kind of? Or? Yeah. That yeah. Is, what yeah. kind of stuff did you guys like growing up? Uh, Johnny Quest. Yeah. <laughs> like, the old <laughs> Alex Toad Johnny Quest. I remember that my uncle bought me a, a VHS tape of those because he felt that I ought to see them. Man, we wore that thing out. Your uncle had freaking good taste. My uncle Rocky also dropped a very fateful garbage bag full of comics, really in age inappropriate comics, on our on my floor, the floor of our shared bedroom, when I was seven years old, and like that, that screwed me up forever. That's yeah. it. Yeah. So so watching that stuff, and then I caught snippets. This is what really did it for me. When I was a kid, like maybe nine, my grandma got the Sci-Fi Channel. And Anime Saturdays? I accidentally found out, yeah, because I had to go spend the night at my grandma's house, accidentally found out about Saturday morning anime. And it was the most violent. Um, you know how when you're a little kid and you see anything that's meant for adults and you feel like you've got contraband? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and you were like, 11 years old and that spoke to your soul. It's almost like you have a loaded weapon, right? And you're like playing Russian roulette with it. Um, for some reason, the the adultness of anime like really spoke to me, and I got this weird craving for it that never left me. Even though it often made me cry and like freaked me out, unbelievable. I guess off Vampire Hunter D when oh I was gosh. no one should watch when that I was ten on TV, <laughs> and my brother left the room screaming, and I couldn't stop looking at it till the commercial break. Yeah, <laughs> messed me up good. Um, I grew up. On a, on a pretty strict diet of, like, classic Disney. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you will know the difference. Um, <laughs> do the same. <laughs> well, I... And I think lots of people watch those when they're kids. Um, and, like, uh... Yeah, it was, it was every Sunday. Um, and I have two little sisters. And my brother, who is a, one year older than me, and should be closer to me, I guess, like, due to our, like, closeness in age... We didn't really hang out that much, though, when we were kids, so I spent a lot of time with my two little sisters, who wanted to watch Disney cartoons all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I can sing to you basically any song from any Disney... Like, <laughs> it's out of my range now, but when I was seven, man, like, <laughs> I could sing you any song. Um, and loved the stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. And it was, it was magical, and it still is. Um, yeah. Mulan, I think, Mulan was a big deal. Um, Mulan and Tarzan. See, and, like, what's funny for me is, like, I always liked the older stuff... And I don't know, like, and it was something that I couldn't quite explain, um, but I was even thinking about this the other day, that, like, you can't beat the quadruped animation that's in 101 Dalmatians. Holy no. It hasn't been bested today. And I was, like, I thought to myself, like, what else has been done? Like, they did Lion King, and Lion King is a freaking good movie, but it's not as well animated as Pongo. 
Nothing is. Nobody gets and, a email call. No, and there were there were yeah. nine dudes. There were nine old men and other animators that worked under them, and nobody can draw like those guys today. And I don't know why that is. That was um, that was another thing that garnered interest in animation as you like learn the mythos. But like when I learned Glenn Keane's name, it was like a word of power. It was like a, it was like in Dune, it was like a killing word. And so you like you find out that these dudes are human, and you find out that the tracks that they took, and you're like this thing can be tamed and mastered. See, I never thought of that. Like, it was all just magical to me. Yeah. Um, and, and I kind of let it be that. I was hateful and aggressive. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and I think that that's, like, more in keeping with your personality. <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, I, I didn't mean that to be offensive. But, like, um, but, yeah, like, it was always just kind of magical, and I let it be magical. And, and for reasons that I couldn't explain with words and probably still can't, um, there was something that was a lot more magical about 101 Dalmatians than anything else that has come out of the pencil. Um, and I can tell you that when I was 11, I think it would have been like 11 years old, 1993, um, uh, my best friend, Daniel Lewis, had, uh, his parents had like a bootleg copy of uh, Ghibli's Totoro, My Neighbor Totoro. <laughs> That, like, a friend of theirs who had been in Japan, like, copied, the, he had, like, recorded it off of TV and brought it home. And this was in 1993, so this is only, like, four years after the movie had been released in Japan. And was ne- it was, like, not even close to coming to U.S. soil. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd never seen anything like it. I saw Totoro, and, like, it, and there was a magic in that that was utterly different from anything that I had experienced watching Disney. And um, I know that Disney, like, distributes their work here, and so I think that they, like, pick up on the common properties between yeah. between what they're trying to do and what Miyazaki does. Um, mm-hmm. And and then really, like, latched onto it, but it's like a very different kind of magic, and I was absorbed at that point. I saw that and was like, I want to make something that feels like that, because I felt like the movie was giving me a hug. <laughs> Man, that was... Okay, the only... The only Japanese animation that I've ever seen in theaters... Uh, I got introduced to Miyazaki... When I was in high school, a friend's uncle came back from Japan and brought a copy of Princess Mononoke with him. It wasn't even subtitled. It was just yeah, there. Japanese. Yeah, I just watched the thing twice in a row in Japanese. <laughs> like, could not stop looking at it. And then when my little sister, um, when uh, when Spirited Away came out, I brought my little sister and my brother, and I saw it. It was I remember it was in theaters for four days, and I saw it every night oh, wow. that it was there. And, and man... Spirited Away is still my favorite. It moved me so much. I had to mellow out a bit before I could watch Totoro. I had to grow up a little bit. Yeah. You know, I just think it's like he spins a certain brand of magic and it's, uh, like, it's utterly sold to me like the minute he puts anything on the page. And yeah. It's like, and sinker. like Ponyo had nothing going on and I didn't even care. I didn't even care. I loved it. It was meandering and pointless and weird and incredibly engaging. Yeah. And magical. Yeah. Kind of shifting gears, um, thinking, going back to like, you guys are obviously graduated or near graduated <laughs> from BYU. <laughs> hopefully, you get that. classes on campus at those students, and you're like, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're like finding finding some level of, of success now. Mm-hmm. You're starting to find work in, in the art, you know, in the art side of yeah. of whatever you guys are doing, which is. Not what the animation program is known for. Anyway, I, mm-hmm. if you guys could just kind of talk about what what BYU has, what what being the animation program at BYU has taught you that you probably wouldn't have learned somewhere else, and maybe what it hasn't taught you that you wish you would have learned somewhere else. Just kind of like yeah, pros and cons of, of being at BYU. Um, I think to begin, the biggest pro of being at BYU is the spiritual component to your education when you come here. Um, and that even if you're not LDS, like, there's a handful of kids in animation that are not LDS that are here. Um, and I think that, um, the emphasis on, on, like, letting God lead you in life, um, is huge. Um, because, I guess, like you said, the animation program is known for placing people in the technical side of the industry here. You know, we do a lot of CS and a lot of the other technical jobs, rigging, lighting, texturing, that kind of stuff. Um... And it would have been way too scary for me to try and do that on my own. But because, like, I talked to so many professors and had so many, like, uh, I guess, the encouraging words from professors to say, well, ask God 
and he'll tell you where to take your life and where to take, you know, and he'll lead your family. And, like, you know, they shared positive experiences about how that had happened in their lives. Mm -hmm. And that kind of gave me the courage to be like, okay, because, you know, everybody takes the obligatory 3D classes. And I took those 3D classes and thought to myself, well, I love animation, but I don't want to do this. But I didn't have the guts to to just not do that stuff, because that's like the road to no job. It's like, yeah. It was like a dead, it was like, unemployment this way, you know, <laughs> or, you know, the, what Brent liked to refer to as low-hanging fruit, those lighting jobs and rendering jobs that, you know, are rife, the industry is rife with those jobs. Well, and the bummer, too, is that we sucked at that stuff. <laughs> like, like, we just flat out, like, didn't have a lot of aptitude for it. The Maya was confusing, and there were all these buttons, and you couldn't pick the low-hanging. No, we could not reach the low-hanging fruit, so we went and got a ladder. Yeah, um, <laughs> it was really rough. Yeah, and I think, like, in a way it was frustrating, and, and having little aptitude for that, in a way, was kind of a backwards blessing. Yeah. Um, and also uh, lent itself to, to frustration and general disenchantment with that side of things. I honestly, I was, I was telling Eric Armstrong, though, I do wish, now that, now that we're working on, I guess, uh, the last film we'll probably do, huh? Um, maybe not. Maybe not. We'll see. There might be a video game in the future. Maybe! <laughs> We're thinking about it. Uh, I wish I'd learned some more of that CS stuff, because Maya would be a really effective tool for sure for, for what I want to do. But I'm so freaking ignorant, and all I know is Flash and After Effects and Photoshop, that I can't do a lot of the stuff that I would like to do on my own, and so have to find like really hard roads to do it. It would be, it would be cool to know more of that, just to make a movie, just because it's, it's another set of tools. It's yeah. not a career path, it's a set of tools. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm glad that I got to touch on that stuff, too, so that I can like at least sound a little bit knowledgeable when I talk to people yeah. who, who know about that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, because I know what a blend shape is, and I know, you know what what like vector maps are, and I know what, you know, like you're, you know, I, like, I'm a, familiar with some of the terminology, so like, when things like that come up, I'm like, oh, okay, I don't sound completely stupid, like I've touched that stuff before. Really. And, and getting flung... With no like, with no life vest or guide in the Maya, really makes you a lot less intimidated when you walk up to a program like Photoshop or Flash or After Effects, and it looks like MS Paint. You know, like, like it looks. This is easy. I can do this. Yeah. So it, it it really you're not intimidated by technology anymore. Where are my curves? I don't have to tweak anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Can actually find the menu I'm looking for. Um, but yeah, so other other benefits and drawbacks to BYU education is what we're on, right? Before we get too far off topic. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so I think the coolest, the most important thing for me having, for me getting work, um, if, if we're talking about like just practical job getting, because I don't, I, I really don't believe that I've gotten a lot of work because I'm an expe- I'm an especially talented or gifted artist. Like I'm, just, I'm not. Um, I think that. What I learned pretty early on from from my, from my teachers, from what they told me and from how they taught, was that if I wanted something, I was going to have to do it or get it. Does that make sense? So, like, like Ryan Woodward and Brent Adams and Kelly Lucy will come to class and they will give the lecture. But if you want to do good work, you kind of have to figure out how to do that, um, no matter what it's in. And, and, like, when I told Ryan that I want to do comics, he's like, well, then you should probably do some comics, son. And go out there in front of them and show them to people, and we we did that sometimes at great personal expense, and, and like sometimes at the great personal expense of close friends. Yeah, <laughs> usually at my great personal expense. Um, Thank you. But like, but like, um, going out there and being really proactive and making friends and meeting people, and uh, not being afraid to show my work to people, has gotten me. Like everything, and working really, really, really hard all the time. Mm, that last one will. Also important. You've hit on a lot of good things, but yeah. Yeah. Um, one big thing: not being afraid to show your work to people. I think a lot of people don't come to school with a very thick skin because, yeah. like, either you came out of a high school where you were like the hottest stuff around, um, and, and like and censored for BYU audience. Yeah. Um, and well, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. if you come from a small town or whatever, and you're just like you're like the one kid around that can draw. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can't come here. Expecting to be praised for everything you do, because frankly, everybody does stuff that sucks sometime. Yeah, and dude, like when we got here, BYU had a really stacked deck. Like the kids in front of us were Jason Kim, Tyler Stott, Jed Henry, Jed Henry um, and uh, man, who the freak else? Uh, Tay Cranenbuehl. It was yeah. disgusting. 
It was disgusting, these kids that were in front of us. Like, yeah. we had no chops, we had no talent, and we had, above all, like, no taste. That was yeah. made really clear to us, like, abundantly clear, is that these kids have better taste than we do. Like, it's not oh, even... The reason I'm bad at this is because I've been looking at the wrong stuff. Yeah, so... And also because I don't... Yeah, you know, it's just pencil mileage. Everybody says the same thing. Yeah, so yeah. sucking it up and working hard and being okay with showing your stuff to people and being okay with knowing that your work is flawed and not what... That was a big thing for me is I wanted everything to be perfect all the time and... It's just not. Yeah, I had to accept today that, like, the big money shot in the film that we're working on is flawed because I suck. Because I can't do it as well as I'd like, but I have to move on and finish the rest of it and yeah. whatever. But yeah, work hard. Um, well, and another thing that I think is a huge advantage here and, and is, I guess, becoming... Uh, there's a little more red tape nowadays because they're revamping the program, yeah. uh, and there was quite a bit of freedom. Because even when we got here, like the animation program was only like six or seven years old, yeah. and so there were a lot of like just kind of open-ended stuff. Where like one semester we came to Ryan and we're like, "Hey Ryan, we want to do comics," and he's like, "Okay, cool." So like we took a class where we never had a classroom and never showed up for class. We just drew our own comics and checked in with him every once in a while. Um, and I know that's, like, really open and freeform, and I don't think that works for a lot of people. It really worked for us. We uh, found out a lot. Yeah. But I think that the reason that they discontinued that is because people kept signing up for those classes and not doing any work. And you'd get to the end of the semester, and they'd be like, well, what have you done? And you had nothing to show for it. And so now those things are no longer an option. That's another thing. Is it? Is it? Okay, because once you get the work, you have to do the work. And if you do the work... That generates more work. Right. So, like... You're not, talking professionally. Yeah, yeah. Not everybody... I don't think everybody can do freelance illustration or freelance illustration on the schedule that, like, textbooks, for example, require. Mm. But you have to do a lot of work by yourself. You don't go in. There is no clock. The, uh, there's, there's you and the deadline. Mm. That is it. And the animation program taught me to step up to that. Like, I feel weird when I have a supervisor to check in with. I'm like... Think I'm not gonna do this. <laughs> like I'm, yeah. let me, you know, like I will do this. I like I had a, I had a, the craziest job I ever had was 80 illustrations in a month, um, and finished full page illustrations. In yeah, a like month. full color. Oh, it was so heinous. Uh, and I worked 80 hour weeks for a month, but right, but, got it done. but we got it done. Yeah, and that was the thing. And I, and I had help from my friends and from my wife, and yeah. that's how we do things. Um, well, and I think along those lines too. Um, that, yeah, you just have to be willing to kind of bite the bullet and do that work. And that, um, like you were saying, the freelance thing, because I freelanced my way through school, too. And it was kind of scary, because, like, I had always done, like, the 9-to-5 thing, because, like, yeah. that way, you have you have a solid paycheck, and you know what your pay is going to be every two weeks, because you've worked the same 40-hour work week, and I know it's going to be 80 hours times whatever my hourly rate is. And, like, the freelance thing was kind of scary, but so beneficial, because I was able to, by the time I graduated, put things on my resume. Like, I had done animation in a professional setting for three years by the time I was ready to get out of school. And I had done character animation, I had done character design, I had done animatics, I had done storyboarding, um, and for, you know, of like an array of different places, and small places, places like, I worked with Ryan professionally. You know, I worked for, he has Spitfire Studios that he does on the side. Mm -hmm. And so I worked for him under the Spitfire thing. Um, I worked for companies in Canada. I worked for, <laughs> Jake and I worked for that same textbook company briefly. And, like, being able to put stuff like that on your resume is, that's clout, I think. Because, like, a lot of those people that, like, are looking at entry-level positions for anybody who's applying for a job out of school. Yeah, or just like, um, like I was looking at my friend, uh, I have a buddy, Tyson Hess, he does an online comic called Boxer Hockey, and he went to SCAD, and he is a talented dude, and really funny, and, uh, you know, he's a great artist, and, um... Comics is way fun. Yeah, and, and he's, he's really funny, and really talented, um, but, like, I was looking at his portfolio and his resume, and on his resume, he says, you know, graduated from SCAD in 2010, work experience, CVS Pharmacy, part-time job. And I'm like, yeah, because that's where he worked. And, you know, like, I'm not knocking that, you know, like, that paid the bills for him, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but, like, being able to say, well, I animated for these people. And I, I did an animatic for this Canadian animation company. And I did, you know, freelance work for so-and-so. And I yeah. and it's supremely important, too, in my opinion, to do that so that you know what you want to do. Yeah. Like, like I... Because, okay, because Anthony and I worked um, as board artists for a feature film. Um that will remain unnamed. Well, I, yeah, it's, like, constantly in and out of production. Yeah. Um, but it was, like, you know, it was a real production, and, and our supervisors 
had worked or were working at big studios. Like one of our supervisors was a dude from Blue Sky, and oh my gosh, I hated that job so much. I hated that job. And and okay, because you get this you get this Mormon idea, and this is an idea that we have in the BYU uh, animation program too. That like. If you don't like the work, something must be wrong with you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, a lot of times... Like, yeah, put yeah. your shoulder to the wheel, man. Uh. <laughs> I have a job storyboarding for a feature film with real storyboard artists from real big animation studios, yeah. and I hate it. <laughs> what is wrong with me, right? But it taught like, this is maybe not the place for you to be, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got that practical experience. Some of that, I think, might have been the people, too. So, well, so some without naming Some of it might have been, but that's the deal, is that I liked the setting in which... Because I had I had this other I had the other uh, the illustration job at the same time and I really liked working from home. Didn't check in with anybody. I was the only guy on the project. Yeah. I showed my art director. I knew where I stood. The chain of command was really clear, and it went off without a hitch. And like I I can take criticism. I can't take um internal power struggles <laughs> and things like that. So so you know it's 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 less stress for me to have everything on me. Yeah, than it is for me to work with a team. Easier also to have one art director instead of like competing voices between your board supervisor and the director of the film telling you to do two different things. Yeah, <laughs> your two supervisors and the director of the film. <laughs> oh, it was, it was wretched, man. Yeah. But yeah, so you find out what works for you, too. The work mm-hmm. experience is invaluable. Well, and I know a lot of kids do that, too, that like, um, they work for like uh, independent study or like CTL. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a great job, too, because like, at least you have the chance to do art on the job. Um, and, you know, you put that thing on your resume, like, I animated for the university, you know? And yeah. I think th- even that, like, is a cool thing, you, you know, even if you're not, like, reaching out and doing the freelance thing, because I know that's scary and not right for everyone. Um, th- that's a cool thing to be able to put on your resume, and a cool thing to be able to get paid to draw, so. Yeah. And it's, like, a huge breadth of experience, too, that you might not ever get again. Like, like Anthony was saying, I worked on animation for video games. Um, I did, yeah, we, we animated and designed characters for a video game that, like, sold, and the people made money off of it, and it was actually rated pretty highly. Um, it was one of those big fish games. It was a point-and-click adventure, like Monkey Island. Oh, cool, yeah. Yeah, fun, right? Like, I got to make a freaking video game! Yeah, uh, when will I ever do that again? <laughs> Maybe in the not-too-distant future, but probably... We don't know. Let's not commit. Um, so, yeah, I got to work on there the There were Islanders and Shovels. I got to work on a movie. I got to work on short films. I got to work on mm-hmm. some 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 paid comics. And I got to do... Yeah, uh, taste everything. Children's illustration. Yeah, so you get a little... You get the flavor for everything and find out what tastes best to you. See what you like. Yeah, excellent. Uh, this, Jake, specifically, I've heard you say to me, and you mentioned other people, that uh, one reason why you wanted to in the animation program is you wanted to draw like the animation kids quote unquote what does that mean uh well specifically I wanted to draw like Jason Kim like Jason Kim <laughs> uh well and okay so the the big the big end for me I came to, I went to Kelly's office to talk to Kelly about whether I should go into the animation program or stay in the illustration program where I was really happy um I like my professors but like none of the kids seemed super driven um and I went into Kelly's office and have you seen his collection of books? Quang Ho. Yeah, Black dude. Uh, I, I love books. I have I have a little collection of my own. doesn't rival Kelly's, but, well, one day, one day I'll take him down. <laughs> anyway. Uh, when you make as much money as a college professor, then one day. <laughs> one day! <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, actually, my book collection is continuously expanding at a frightening rate, and we have to keep buying new shelves. But, uh, okay, so on Kelly's shelf is a copy of... Black Sad, um, and I opened it up, and oh my gosh, the drawings were so expressive and so solid and so good. And I said, Kelly, who drew this? And he was like, Oh, that's Juan Ho, unpronounceable. Um, he was an animator at Disney. He animated Sabor and Tarzan. And I was like, I need to draw like this guy. And so I went and I looked at, it. and most of my favorite comic book artists from overseas were animators first. And I wanted to learn how to draw like an animator. I wanted that expression. I wanted that gesture. And I wanted just the chops, like the naked chops that you can step up and say, I can draw the human figure in any position. And I can not only, from any angle, and not only can I do that, but I can communicate to you with that drawing anything I want to say. It is like ultimate power of communication. You really can't beat it. You can imbue this dead piece of tree with life. In, in a single drawing, you can do it moving, too. Like, you can make it walk and talk if you're, if you're feeling like it and you have the time, right? But in a single drawing, you can say everything. And that 
was a power. That I, as, as you can see, this is craving for power and technical <laughs> achievement. Uh, that was a power that I wanted. What's funny, too, is, like, on the opposite end of that spectrum, because, like, Huang Ho and, like, Black Sad are, like, pretty racy, and, um, but, like, on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have books like Bone by Jeff yeah, Smith. Yeah, who was also an animator. Jeff Smith, yeah, owned his own animation shop for, like, the better part of a decade. Huh. So, a, like, a lot of the really, really great talents in comics have animation experience. Yeah, or like, Some of them really extensive experience. Or like my favorite comic book artist, arguably, ever, uh, Alex Toth, had, was a legendary animation director and animator. Like, like it maybe never had the most life in his drawings, but always got what he needed to out of great it. Great staging. Yeah, great staging! Oh, yeah, the it. Japanese stole that from him. If you, can get it, if you can get it right in one drawing, why move it? Why move it? What, <laughs> what do you think the connection is there, then, that so many great comic book artists or animators or vice versa? Um, well, I, I, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, the figure. Mm-hmm. Like, right now, my job on a movie is just making backgrounds. Oh my gosh, I cannot tell you how old that gets for me. I'm like, man, I want to draw movie some people. And I have a, yeah, I know, I'm pretty excited about that. I'm trying to finish the background so I can. Uh, I have a clip file of, of well, several clip files of people with with and without clothing to draw from, and everyone's like, "It's so mad that I just like stop and draw a couple people and then go." So I think it's it's you're drawn towards the figure and towards mastering and expressing that because it's great. It's the best thing God ever made. Yeah. I also think that um, something that animation has to offer in particular is the there's a quickness, a certain quickness that you work yeah. with, and and the idea of nailing the gesture and finding the right gesture, and sometimes you can only find the right gesture by practically animating something. Like, I know sometimes, like, I'll, um, say, if I'm, if I'm not doing straight ahead, if I'm doing, like, uh, keyframe animation, mm-hmm. and I'll set my keys and be like, these are my storytelling poses, I need to get from this pose to this pose, and then I'll find that, like, in either, like, a follow-through pose, or in, like, you know, some kind of, like, snap pose, I'll get a cooler pose. Yeah. Then, then I then I drew in my key. I'll be like, this is my keyframe. But then, like on the way to the keyframe, or like just past the keyframe, like as I'm doing like some follow through action, I'm like, okay, this drawing is actually cooler than the one that came three frames before. Yeah, this is my hold. And I think that you can only find. I don't know if it's only, but I think one way of finding that drawing is by having the mind of an animator and going, oh, but wait a minute, on follow through, this cloak would actually be coming up this way, or this ponytail would swing around like that, and you just get more dramatic. Yeah. Uh, expressions out of your drawings like that, and I think that animation has that to offer, whereas comics doesn't always, or someone who studies strictly in a comics vein. Mm-hmm. And another element, and I think the most essential element, that I, um, why I think that the best comic, or the, uh, that animators make the best comic book artists, most of the time, not all the time, there's some guys who are just really good and never animated, but they probably be good animators anyway, is, um... What about Man Arenas? Is he? Yeah, Man Arenas was an animator. Of course. Is that it, is it these dudes... You need to be good at animating or to be good at making comics. You need to love telling a story more than you love even, like, the, the drawing itself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and that's what I think doesn't man is that, is that when you're animating, you're learning to tell the story at this really most basic, expressive, gestural, visceral level. Yeah, and um, learning to throw away drawings with an alacrity that would astound a comic artist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you throw away so many drawings when you animate, and yeah. I think you can't love the drawing like you said. It has to be the story first. It has to be the story first, and and and, and like, yeah. So so your drawings are no longer sacred. You can draw at an incredibly fast pace, which is another thing that I've always coveted that I'm still working <laughs> towards. Um, and you you can you see you're telling, you're drawing quickly. Nothing is bothering you, and you're moving through it with this incredible pace. That's that's everything you need to be a good comic book artist. Yeah, cool. yeah I love it. Cool. How much time do you guys have? Oh, I have till eleven. Till eleven. How yeah. much time do you have? Jamie? I can go for a while. You need to eat, man. No, dude, I'm good. <laughs> I, I mean, I will eat. Don't He's worry. Talking <laughs> comics. This is food for <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah, I really like comics. <laughs> okay. Making your film mashed, mm-hmm. Anthony. What What did you learn? What was what was what was that experience like? What oh man, it was interesting. Um, I guess I had certain ideas in my head when I when I decided to start the project because I knew it was going to be really ambitious, um, and I knew that if I started it, um, having seen so much stuff from Cal Arts, that like a lot of things were like really great ideas, and some of them really really funny and really well executed to a point. And you'd see things that were like, oh, that shot was beautiful. Oh, these storyboards are hilarious, mm, but it's not like really a complete film. 
Um, and I've seen a lot of that stuff come out of CalArts, and I don't knock it, because a lot of those kids are really, really great at what they do. Yeah. But I wanted to make a finished movie. I was like, I'm going to finish it, I'm going to animate it, I'm going to ink and paint it, it's going to be a done movie. <laughs> um, and that was like what I had in my mind right away. And so I knew I was getting in over my head, because I knew like, I also wanted to do it by myself. And how long, sorry, how long stupid. before... How long, when, when did you first start? Uh, I started it in January of 2009. Um, so I did my boards and designs and stuff January through April of 2009, which is like winter semester. Yeah. And then tweaked the animatic and stuff over the summer, and then it was produced. Like, all the animation, all the backgrounds, all the compositing was done from September to December with weekly Thursday night coloring book parties. Which yeah. were a blast. Yeah, which were geek fests <laughs> where everybody <laughs> came to eat pizza and geek out about animation and color some animation that had been done in the previous week. I got a shot and a half of that. Thanks for the actually. <laughs> um, and it was a lot of fun. And it was, like That was one of the coolest parts because that was like one of the only parts where I actually got to talk to people. <laughs> um, and then other than that, like I was chained to this desk and like people would come in and out of the room all day. Um, but I guess the thing that I learned about that was um, that in order to learn how to make movies, you have to make movies. Um, and I did, like, a couple of, like, 30-second, like, animation tests that you might call, like, a short film for Izzy. Um, and had fun with those and made those and was like, okay, this is kind of cute. Um, but that is, uh, like, for people that are aspiring filmmakers and want to be, like, in the storytelling side of things, you have to make a movie to know how to make a movie. Like, you can't study theory, and I think that's what I saw at CalArts that we weren't getting here, is that there yeah. is the senior film, but you only ever get to put your hands in one or maybe two films, like if you're helping the year in front of you. Yeah. Um, and you're maybe only touching two films by the time you leave the doors of BYU. Um, and I thought, man, if I really want to do this, I better, I better just, like, buckle down and do it. And, like, I wasn't very popular for, like, a year, because I was in here just working all the time. <laughs> um... But, and, and, like, I don't even, to tell you the truth, like, I've seen MASH, and, like, I still giggle at it, but, like, I don't even think that it's, like, a particularly great film. Um, I think parts of it are good, yeah. and I think that, as a whole, it sort of suffers for pacing. Um, but the music is really excellent. <laughs> <laughs> the moments that are good are great, though, dude. The um, there, there, there are some great moments in MASH. And, well, I feel good, and I feel like it's an accomplishment, but I feel like, more than anything, it suffers for pacing. So, word to the wise, if you're planning on making a film, have your composer score it after you've completely timed everything out. Um, because we wrote a piece of music, and then I animated to the music. And so, like, I got, I was oh, nailed down to these boards and to this, like, timing of a rough animatic, and then ended up, like, wanting to, like, cut whole scenes or, like, lengthen scenes or shorten scenes, and, like, I couldn't do that because the music was already tied down. Yeah. So he's doing that with our movie. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. the timing of everyone's But I think, like... No, it's good. You in a way, like, I hope I've plussed it. Yeah. And I feel like I've plussed it, and I wanted to plus mashed in certain ways that I wasn't able to because I worked backwards. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of shot myself in the foot doing that. But that's okay, because like, that's a learning experience. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I learned, I guess, is, yeah, like, show your work to everyone. Because, like, when I was making MASH and I was holed up in here, like, I showed it to a handful of people. I didn't show it to enough people. Um, and, and I think that I also kind of shot myself in the foot doing that also. Um, that I wish I had, like, shown it to a few more people, like, while I was making it. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think that that's the biggest thing was that we don't really make, like, for volume, we don't produce a lot of films Yeah. Um, at BYU, but... And, and the, the kickiest thing about animation is that it is, you can't direct a live action, you can't make a live action movie by yourself. Right. You could, but you would have to be really inventive for it to be anything that anyone wanted to watch. <laughs> you know? Like, you, you would have to be, like, Salvador Dali. Um... Well, no, people wouldn't want to watch that. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I don't want to watch you slicing eyeballs. But, but you can make, by yourself, any animated film you could think of with whatever cast of characters you can think of. Like, you can make any movie. Yeah. You have that power. Mm -hmm. And if you never use that power once in your life, like, if you never make the thing by yourself, you have yeah. missed a trick. Like, I'm not even going into animation, but I won't make a movie before I go. Yeah. Because, yeah. You know? Yeah. When will I ever get to make another movie? Maybe never. And I do think that that was really exciting. And maybe it was foolish for me to bite off as much as I did, but no. I had friends help me with ink and paint. And there was, you know, a cast of, like, 15 people that did ink and paint, and, like, another eight or so that, like, did the music. But, like, other than that, like, I made a movie basically by myself. Yeah. So cool. Um, and it was really, yeah, it was fun. Like, I had so much fun doing it, and it was, like, entertaining, and, like, I was learning stuff the whole time. 
Um, yeah, I totally recommend it. Maybe don't do like five minutes all by yourself. <laughs> but like, you got to be a beastly fast animator too. Um, yeah, it's, it's disgusting. Did learn how to animate pretty problem. quickly after that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, and, and pick off, bite off chunks that are doable. Yeah. I think like if you if you want to make some films, yeah, make like a couple of like films that are shorter than a minute. Um, and make some, something really simple, like just even if it's just a moment in time that doesn't have a lot of setup. But like, if you have like one setup and one payoff, you can do that easy in thirty seconds or less, yeah. and make short films and make a lot of them. Yeah. Um, because yeah. that'll teach you how to make movies and how to tell stories. Because I I think, um, like since I was a kid, and when you're young and you're different from people, like I grew up in North Carolina and I was like the only brown kid around for like hundred miles in any direction. <laughs> Everyone was either black or white. And when you're different, like, you have to learn coping mechanisms. And, like, either you had to be faster than them, or you had to be able to make them laugh because they can't hit you when they're laughing. And so, like... Um, they can't hit you when they're laughing. <laughs> it's true! If you make them laugh hard enough, no one will hit you. Um, but, yeah, and so, like, I don't know, from the time I was young, like, I fancied myself a bit of a wit... And like to make people laugh. But like if you don't practice that and you don't like practice your delivery and practice your timing, then you can't make people laugh. He's not kidding, I'm not funny anymore. <laughs> I don't think that's true necessarily, but like <laughs> No, I mean like 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 I used to draw funny comics and I don't draw funny comics at him anymore. So what have you spent your time doing? Drawing broody, action y violent comics. And what are you good at now? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, that's the ladder. Yeah, that, no, that's what I'm saying, though. And so, like, if you spend time... Be careful what you do! <laughs> you should spend time developing those things, and you'll get good at them. Um, and even things that you think that you're good at, um, you're not really until you practice, practice, practice a lot. Because, yeah. you know, I thought, hey, this is pretty funny, and then things in MASH, I was like, man, I really should have held that, like, four or five more frames to get a laugh. And, like, yeah, I should have staged that clear. Mm, should have set that up better. I mean, uh, yeah, there's things yeah. That, that you just don't know until you fall flat on your face, and you're like, oh, i got to work on that. There's a sense of achievement, too, in doing a thing, even a flawed thing, and, like, finishing it. Like, like I make fun of a lot of the illustration work that I've done, because all of it is hugely flawed and was done with serious time constraints. But I have two or three books, you know, like 180-page books that I've provided about half the content for, um, that I have illustrated front to back, that have nothing but my drawings in them. And I keep those in my house. And while the illustrations are bad, they have, like, a lot of real sentimental value. You did have made that freaking thing happen. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. And, they, and people printed it, and children read out of them. They have to. They're forced to <laughs> at school, right? Like, I have a captive audience. And I'm, I am, you know, often, often as bad as my artwork is, is the best thing about the book. This is, uh, because it's a textbook, and it's really stale. And so, like, you know, you can look at that and be like, okay. I can do something else. If I if I did this one thing, this, this hard thing, mm-hmm. I can probably do this other hard thing too. Yeah, it's a deal. And sit on that for a while. I think it's good to like to feel like you've accomplished something. Because I mean, otherwise, why would you make the next thing? Yeah. You know, like it feels good for someone to go, "Hey, I watched your movie and I laughed." Yeah. Cool. I'm so glad that I made that. Like, I get emails every now and again from people like, "I saw your movie on YouTube and thought it was really funny." And like. Wow, thank you for even, like, going to the trouble to, like, look up my email. And, like... Um, That's cool. It's cool. And I'm like, oh, you liked that? I made you laugh? Like, thank you so much for letting me know. Yeah. Um, and I just... Yeah, I think it's cool to be able to do that. But then never to, like, just sit on that and be like, made that. Well, okay, everyone. I paid my dues, you know? <laughs> made it to Cartoon Brew, and now I'm set. Yeah, but, like, yeah. You, <laughs> Props, you, by the way. Move on to the next <laughs> thing. Cool. Yeah, I, and it is it is pretty cool, but like you have to move on to the next thing. Yeah. Otherwise, you get stale. You're not allowed to say that it's cool. That's why I said it was cool. For me. <laughs> oh. That was in poor taste. Well, no, we can edit that and well, post yeah. it. <laughs> you can actually change it to Jake's voice. So, yeah, he'll say it twice. What did you guys? Okay, not that it was the most successful experience, but what did you guys learn from your senior film? Is it? Yeah, like the group film project. What what did you learn? What was good? What was what bad? Did you what, learn, would you, Jake? what would you tell people? We had very different roads on the film. Yeah. Yes. Um, because as we... It was the very first time at BYU that anyone had attempted to um, to break up into production teams for a film. Like, up until that point, um, every senior film had just been, like, a cluster cuss. Uh, like, everybody had their hands in everybody else's bag, and, oh, well, I wanted to say something about design. Oh, well, I wanted to tell you something about your rig. And, like, 
But Izzy like, had this grand idea that we were going to break up into production teams, and we were going to run this like a studio, man. There was going to be a story team and a design team, and then there was going to be technical leads, and, there was, and we split up in teams. Mm-hmm. And the reason that our experiences were so different is because I got put on the design team after I told everyone I wanted to do storyboards, and they wouldn't let me. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which was a crime, because like I said, not funny anymore. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> but like, it, well, and so I got put on the design team, and Jake was on the story team, and so I'll let him tell you what his experience was like in story. <laughs> well, okay, I learned a couple things about myself, and we're going to focus on those. <laughs> okay. um, that would be good. That will be good. I think that will be good. We'll just, and, and, and kind of like that last uh, experience boarding, you know, I had my supervisor, and there was... There, were, er, there was infighting and power struggles again that I didn't really have part in, mm-hmm. that I didn't really care how they ended up, that got in the way of me doing my job, um, or that job hanging around after I was done, and that really frustrated me. But So I was a horrible head of story. Uh, I think, because... You were demanding. Well, yeah, I was really demanding, and when those demands were not met, I went and I did it myself, mm-hmm. and said, this is how it is. And eventually, I... I'm sorry, everybody. Everybody who's on the story team who's hearing this fired everyone on the story team except for Jeremy Thompson, and we did the thing. Like we just did it by ourselves several times until it was done to Ryan Woodward's satisfaction. And that part of it I enjoyed, but it taught me again that like even 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 as like the top dog, I just hate working with people in a creative sense. Um, that's the Miyazaki way, though. Did you know that, like, he would, uh... Yeah. He started out as an animator. In, like, 1963, he was, like, animating for, uh... For toy animation, I think. And started out as, like, a cleanup artist. Because that's how everybody starts out. And so he animated. And, um, when he's making a movie, to I think to this day... I think... I read a biography on him when he had been working on uh, Princess Mononoke that said, like, he would ask for a shot to be done by animators, and if it came back and he didn't like it, he would tell them what it was about the shot that he didn't like, and that if it came back to him a second time and he and it wasn't done to his satisfaction, he would not tell the person, and he would animate it himself. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of basically what I did. <laughs> well, and, 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 I don't know, it was frustrating. I wasn't allowed... Again, there was that thing... And, and I, found, I found out, too, that I'm a much more simple person than I thought I was, that I really like to have a clear pecking order and know where I am on it. If people had handed down decisions... Like, it was always really unclear who had say about the story and who was in charge of what mm-hmm. and who got to make decisions and why they got to make decisions. And so that was really... It was all just really frustrating, mostly negative experience for me. Mm. And again, while I'm doing this, I have my other job. And I started to, like, look forward to doing my... <laughs> Crappy textbook Yeah, like, my hackneyed, <laughs> rushed textbook illustrations. Like, oh, finally, I get to do this textbook about princesses. Um, and when you're looking forward to that... Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, you're, you're in a bad place. And eventually, all the work that my story team and I did um, was thrown out in a feud between uh, powerful influences on the film... Yeah, won't well, be named. well, I think that, well, while we're on this track, I think that not only did we learn things, but that, like, the faculty, the, the faculty yeah. and the animation program as a whole learned things. Because Izzy was, uh, in, in a lot of ways, in most ways, a huge flop. Now, I don't think there's any two ways about that. I mean, no, it was a gigantic failure. Um, well, a lot was learned. Yeah. It is the very first time that BYU started a film that is not going to be finished. No, it's, it's just not going to get finished. And that's okay. Like, it was, like, maybe a necessary thing that we needed to learn. Um, and that's fine. It's unfortunate that that had to be, like, the manner by which we learned it. Um, but faculty learned, this is not a good way to make a film. And as a result, the junior class um, that came behind us, the Butchered Meats team, um, as a requirement for their pitch, had to submit, like, a month in advance, a month before the pitch even happened. Everybody that wanted to pitch a story had to write a screenplay. So And then the screenplay had to be approved by faculty so that you could even be approved to pitch your idea. Yeah. Um, and before that, it was everywhere. Anybody that had an idea that was, like, drawn on the back of, like, a cough drop wrapper could come in and be like, Hey, I have this cool idea about it. Uh, what is this? And, like, you know, or, you know, it's like Sean yeah, Pando's thing. some weird crap on our pitch. I got picked. It was an idea. It was, like, a little girl that was looking at a, a picture of a rock that was shaped like a rhino. Okay. And, 
And that was the story that got picked. And this is the problem. I feel really guilty about this. It got picked. You sold them the idea. Because I got up there and played the Pied Piper song and spun straw into gold and made everybody see stars and, and just sold an idea of the film and then refused to take any responsibility for the idea of the film that I sold to people. I had no intention of making good on that. I expected someone else to do that for me. And <laughs> Well, and that's what happened is that you pitched this idea and you had this vision, and when it came time to picking a director, they did not pick the man that had the vision that they bought. And then the man that had the vision absolutely refused to take any responsibility whatsoever. <laughs> and, and that was a, a stumbling block, and that won't happen again because now you know, they've set up this new system where you've yeah. got to write a screenplay before you can even pitch your idea. And it, so I think that faculty learned a lot about the best way to make a movie at BYU also. And we learned a lot, too. And I, and I learned, man, that I just don't like working in a group setting where authority is unclear. Mm-hmm. I, on the other hand, learned comparatively little. <laughs> it's not a joke. He's not even kidding. He learned almost nothing from that experience. <laughs> oh, well, it's true, because, like, I was on the design team, like I said. Like, I was relegated to the sex. Everybody wanted to have their hands in the story pond. Yeah. Um, and, and people that probably had little to no business like doing storyboards, like wanted to do storyboards, and so I got kicked off the story team um, because I'd been drawing little girls with rhinos for like the previous <laughs> week. Which was um, Anthony really should have been on the story team. Um, well, and whatever, and the like, design team. it happened, but, and so like I was on a design team with nobody that wanted to design anything. Um, and even, like, really talented people, like Corey Hubble was working with me, and Tyler Carter was working with me, um, and w- clearly had, like, vested interests in other things that they were doing, and yeah, I don't blame them for we're, that. We're trying not to name names here? Oh. I don't know. Well, I think those two are... Th- <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah, I think the two of them are fantastic artists and produce a lot of great work. Thank you, um, But for Izzy, like, you know, it just kind of wasn't happening, and so, like, I did a lot of the design work kind of without hitting any speed bumps along the way. I wish, I wish everybody had wanted to do something else. Also, where this story is not a series of events that unfold. It is an experience mm-hmm. that happens to you. And that you're, you're more than a narrative, more than, you know, as I tell you a story, a man walks into a bar and says, ouch, right? It's not about that. Like, your subject matter can yeah. be absolute crap. It's about how you sing your song, not the lyrics you wrote. This is coming from the man that sold everyone on an idea and then backed out of the... Yeah, <laughs> exactly, because I, I sang a really good song, and they liked that experience, right? Yep. And that's what a movie is, and that's what, every, that's what art is, period. And I learned that, because, I mean, there were kids who had read so many more books about story and storytelling and blah, 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 who made such bad decisions and such bad art and it had absolutely no love for doing actual storytelling mm-hmm. um, that man I learned a lot about that yeah that's the key it's making them feel something yeah it's sitting somebody down in a seat and making you forget that you're watching something and making them feel like they're there um, and and that is man and I'm gonna keep singing Miyazaki's name because I don't think anybody does it better than him. the experience yeah um, and and I don't know like I am biased because I love that man and I think that he changed my life and changed the idea of visual storytelling to me because yeah. like I said Totoro like blew me out of the water um and yeah I think that it's about that and the thing that's most frustrating to me as as somebody who's very poor and doesn't spend a lot of money on movies and so like when I go see a movie when I decide to spend my money and go see a movie. Um, if I'm sitting in the theater, I want a big fat bowl of popcorn, and I want a big fat soda, and I never drink soda, and I rarely eat fatty foods, but like, <laughs> when I go see a movie, I go all out. He's not kidding. That's true. Like, and, and I'm sitting in there, and like, I want to eat like the fattest, butteriest, saltiest popcorn, and drink the nastiest soda. See, I do the same thing, except I do it every week. <laughs> That's why Anthony's the skinny, beautiful, tired, tall, and dark one. Um, but, and so, like... For someone who, like, I don't know, like, I demand, I demand the perfect experience when I go see a movie, then the minute that I'm sitting in a theater, and I think to myself, I'm sitting in a dark room with a bunch of people. You ruined it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I want to go in there and not come out until Iron Man has blown up all the terrorists on the planet. You know what I mean? And and I still feel good about it, even though it's completely racist and jingoistic. I want to feel good about it. I want you to do it so well that I don't even notice your stereotypes. Yeah, well, see, and, like, the funny thing is, like, I don't even think, yeah, as far as themes and as far as as craft and, like, the substance of that movie, I don't think there's a lot there. It's a cheeseburger. Um, but... Not even, like, a good one. It was so much fun, and it was such an experience. And I think that they did that well. 
for sure. Um, and, and that's what I'm looking for, man. And that's the thing to look for. And it's not, like you said, it's not about, well, this thing happens and then this thing happens and then they drop the gold ring into a volcano and it ends. Yeah. Like, it's not that. It's about how did you feel about those people? Yeah. Well, and, and how much did it hurt for you to, like, watch characters die? Or to, like, how much did your heart bleed when those people fell in love? And, like, you just, oh, feeling something. And how much did you forget your life? I think that's a huge thing. How much did you not realize where you were? Um, a really good illustration of this is Avatar, The Last Airbender, the show, versus Avatar, The Last Airbender, the movie. And the movie was much more expensive and much less beautiful and absolutely uncompelling. Um, did you go see it? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? This is not Have you seen it? No, I've stayed away from it from what I've, because of what I've heard about it. Yeah, I had to know. That's a disease. <laughs> I got sprayed in the face with mace because I wanted to know what it felt like. Roger Ebert could be wrong. Um, oh, Roger Ebert was not wrong. <laughs> and yeah, so it was, it's just interesting, you know, like, stories really basic, like, like I don't know if you've seen Samurai Jack. Yep. Not an incredibly complex or brilliant premise. Every episode is gold. Every episode of that show is freaking golden because everyone delivers to me a good experience. Yep. And I care about Jack. The yep. end. Yeah, and, that, and that's, that's the problem. That's what I learned on Izzy was to never lose sight of that for anything. Oh, oh, and caring. It has so much to do with... Um, care. Okay. It, well, yeah, and, and make your audience care. Um, because, and this is something that I bring up a lot when I talk about the movies that get made here, um, is uh, Kites has a lot going for it. But when you watch the, the old man and the boy interact, you think to yourself, boy and old man. Yeah. And you watch them, and you're just like, like, there's not a moment where I'm thinking, where's that kid from? I wonder what he does on weekends. I wonder, like, I never think that when I watch that movie. Um, because, and, and I don't know that this is, like, the root of this, but I think that the, um, they never named their characters. Throughout production, they were known as Boy and Grandpa. And it was animated partially by us when we were sophomores. I take a lot of responsibility. Yeah, I, I animated, <laughs> I animated right. approximately 48 frames in as many months. No. Seven <laughs> seconds. Oh, um, finishing um, up right now. <laughs> but yeah, like, and I, I think that that shows, like, because when you sit in dailies and you're talking about those characters and you're like, well, what is Boy doing in this shot? Really? Boy. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think that, like, you prevent your team from caring about your characters by not naming them. Because, like, I have to think they're real, you know? Yeah. Um, in order to, ma- to make my audience really believe that and really care about what happens to them. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I, I was just going to say, I think this is really interesting and most apparent. Um, and I don't feel bad spending a lot of time talking about this, because, honestly, honestly, all you have to do to be a successful artist is to make people care about what you are saying and entertain them. It's really mm-hmm. basic, and when we, when we get down to it, like it's not about it's not even about drawing well or being technically good. Mm-hmm. It's really not. It's really not. So mm-hmm. like, like like Demi Tartakovsky doesn't draw that well. Samurai Jack is a great show. Um, okay, but like if you if you look at franchise characters, especially one of the things that I like about comics um, is if you look at the Batman movies, you can tell that the Nolan brothers get. Batman. Yep, and this is where Sam Raimi falls on his face. He did not get Peter Parker. Yeah, they they get who this guy is, and you can tell that was it Schumacher who made uh, the the last two of the earlier franchise. Was it? Oh, I don't I know. Mean, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> with, with Arnold, he didn't get it. So you you need it. You need to get what's great about your characters and make sure your audience gets it too. You you need them to feel mm-hmm. Bruce's conflict. You want them to. To cower in fear before the jo- like you 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 need to get your characters and you'll find yourself when you're watching a really good show like Avatar um, and it's only good like it is so crude it is so for seven year olds but I kept watching it because everyone's going to say oh, that's so Sokka because I'm hanging out with him right. yeah I'm not even watching TV yeah, anymore you get I'm hanging out with these kids <laughs> yeah, and that's why and that's why um, I think uh, especially anime does this um, because it's got I think that's why they have such a cult following. A, because they do cartoons a different way than we do in America. Where in America, like, you have things that are really episodic. Like, you know, Huey, Dewey, and Louie get into an adventure, and in 20 minutes, it's over. Um, and the relationships don't really build. Like, Uncle Scrooge is still always a miser and loves swimming in his money. Um, and, and, like, you know, they have these adventures together, but, like, and th- nothing ever builds. Um, but yeah. anime is always episodic, and yet it plays into the greater epic of this thing that keeps, like, flowing in a linear direction. 
and you follow things like like Dragon Ball has such a huge following. It has a cast. Its cast is almost as big as its following. <laughs> it's true. In fact, some of the following is composed of the cast. <laughs> and like, I think that it's the reason that people follow something that's that huge of an epic and know all like the hundreds of the characters that show up in that show and know their relationships to each other is because you care about what happens to them. Yeah, I just read the 700 issue of Batman. Batman the comic, not Detective Comics. Mm-hmm. Batman, the self-titled comic, uh, on Wednesday of last week. Comic book day, right? And, uh... 700 issues, man. And the reason that I read it, and I've been reading Batman and The Amazing Spider-Man since I could read every month or week, depending on how they came out at the time, just because I need to have my weekly fix of Bruce Wayne and Peter Parker, because they are so close to me. Yeah. Like, Peter Parker is a dude who I know, who lives in Queens, and he has been consistently written... In that series, he has a personality, and I like him. I like spending time with Peter Parker. Sometimes more than I like spending time with myself or my real friends. <laughs> um, and and that's, what, that's the thing. That and giving me the good experience. Because those comics are pretty crudely written and not always well-drawn. Like, I often dislike the art in mainstream comic books, but I like Peter. We'll hang out, no yeah. matter who's drawing it or yeah. writing it. That was part one of our interview with Jake Wyatt and Anthony Holden. Be sure to check out part two in the next episode of the BYU Animation Podcast. The proceeding reflected the views and opinions of those speaking and does not necessarily reflect the opinions, values, or policies of Brigham Young University, its faculty, staff, or sponsoring institution.